Mark chapter 11. Mark 11. In reading this evening at verse 25. Brethren, let us hear the word of God. And when ye stand praying, forgive. If ye have aught against any, that your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. But, if ye do not forgive, neither will your Father, which is in heaven, forgive your trespasses. Amen. May the Lord bless the reading of this most precious word. Now, within the context of this chapter and the Lord's teaching His disciples about faith and prayer, Jesus gives a single word commandment. Forgive. Now, obedience to this commandment means healthy spiritual life, growth in faith, and prevailing prayer. Disobedience destroys spiritual health, impairs our faith, and hinders our prayers at best. At worst, it is evidence that we've never been converted. Amazing that so much could ride on one single word, command. Forgive. Most pastors would probably acknowledge that lying at the heart of uh, the vast majority of the problems that trouble the Lord's people is the issue of forgiveness. And this is a very complex issue on one hand because those who are good and solid preachers and teachers of the Word of God disagree on certain aspects of forgiveness. So tonight, I'm not going to attempt to unravel the difficulties in what we... uh, may find in this particular subject. Uh, This is a uh, one message in our series regarding our spiritual health, but it has uh, provoked me uh, to go uh, further into the the subject at a later time and do a series of messages regarding this, where we will uh, try to untangle some of the difficulties found in this uh, most important subject. But for this evening... Uh, We can say enough about it that all of us, I think, uh, must agree with as we look at the Word of God. Now, we have come to the Lord Jesus Christ the last few Sunday evenings in this particular series of messages, and we have applied to Him as our great physician. And uh, we have asked Him to diagnose our spiritual health by the sure measure of His infallible Word. Uh, His Word gives us the diagnosis, and we trust that by His Spirit uh, and a clearer light in His Word, we might understand our own prognosis, the way we're, what we may look forward to. So, then with with this as our uh, foundation, each Sunday evening we've asked asked ourselves, a question. 
to diagnose our spiritual health. And the question this evening is, now that you profess to be a believer, now that you confess being one who is forgiven, are you a quicker forgiver? <clears throat> the Lord willing, we would open this up under these heads. First, the definition of forgiveness. Secondly, the basis of forgiveness. Thirdly, the importance of forgiveness. And finally, the questions we should ask ourselves about forgiveness. The questions we should ask ourselves about forgiveness. <clears throat> So let's begin by considering the definition of forgiveness. <clears throat> by the way, I would, I would certainly encourage all of you, I trust that you have already read uh, the issue of the broadcaster dealing with this subject. It certainly tackles a number of the uh, major issues regarding forgiveness, and there is much uh, edifying reading there. I, I wholeheartedly commend it to you. But we want to begin this evening with that which is most important and something that many people find a difficulty, and that is the definition of forgiveness. What is it? What is it? In the often complex realm of human relationships, there are very few things as necessary as forgiveness. No two people can have a relationship without there being some exchange of forgiveness sooner or later. Any of you who are married, you know good and well. You cannot maintain a healthy marriage without forgiveness. If you would have friends, if you would walk with your brothers and sisters in Christ in a spiritually healthy climate, you must know how to forgive and receive forgiveness. If you have children, you have to know something about forgiveness. Brethren, there is no human relationship in this sinful world that does not desperately need at some points, maybe for some more or others less, but desperately need forgiveness. And yet, because we very often have faulty notions of it, we make those relationships more complex, more dissatisfying. We undo many of our relationships simply because we do not know how to walk in a biblical forgiveness. So this is a most important issue. Now the first thing we want to do is just look at the biblical words regarding forgiveness. <clears throat> we need forgiveness and we need to know how to forgive so we come first to the Old Testament and then we'll proceed to the New to look at the words uh, normally translated forgive or forgiving. <clears throat> first of all, the word forgive uh, is a Hebrew word which means to lift up or to carry away. And this is clearly seen in Isaiah 53 verse 4 which says, Surely he hath Born our griefs and carried our sorrows. The word born there is the same Hebrew word. <clears throat> to lift up, to carry away. 
Hence, it means to take away sins, to lift them up and remove them. Now, the first time it is translated forgive in the Old Testament is when Joseph's brothers plead with him to forgive their sins against him. The word is translated numerous other ways, but the first time it's actually translated forgive is here in Genesis chapter 50, verse 17. So shall ye say unto Joseph, Forgive, I pray thee now, the trespass of thy brethren and their sin. Lift up, carry away their sins, for they did unto thee evil. And now, say the brothers, we pray thee, forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of thy father. And Joseph wept when they spake unto him. And there's our first encounter of the word forgive in the Old Testament with that Hebrew word. Secondly, the word that is translated into English, forgiving. This particular Hebrew word, like the word create, is used only of God throughout the Old Testament. The first one is used between people. This one is applied only to God as He pardons. It is therefore a word that is associated with God's merciful and gracious character. The idea of pardoning from God is associated with His great mercy and His grace. And it is most often translated pardon. Numbers chapter 14 beginning in uh, verse 17, says, And now I beseech thee, let the power of my Lord be great, according as thou hast spoken, saying, The Lord is long-suffering and of great mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression, and by no means clearing the guilty visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation. Pardon, I beseech thee, the iniquity of this people according unto the greatness of thy mercy. And as thou hast forgiven this people from Egypt even until now. And the Lord said, I have pardoned according to thy word. Now, both of the Hebrew words are found in this particular passage. The the words uh, forgiving and forgiven are the first Hebrew word that we looked at. But then the one translated pardon and pardoned are this second word associated with His mercy and grace. The lifting up, the carrying away of their transgressions, their transgressions and... The the kind, merciful pardon of our God. It's used as well in Isaiah 55, verse 7. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. A brother, that ought to encourage the heart of anyone who has ears to hear. We have a God, the God of Scripture, the Creator of heaven and earth, the Sovereign Lord, 
who has revealed himself in his infallible word as a God who will abundantly pardon. Great grace, overflowing mercy, kindness, and love. Hallelujah. Now, there are three New Testament words that are translated forgive or forgiving. <clears throat> the first one, and I won't bore you by telling you what the words are, just the first Greek word here shares the same root as the word grace. Grace. Again, there's an association with grace. And it means to forgive on the basis of a gracious attitude. We find it used in Colossians 3, verse 13. Forbearing one another and forgiving one another. Graciously releasing, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you. Christ is merciful. Christ, the God of, uh, the, of the Old Testament, the Jehovah of the Old Testament, the promised Messiah, is gracious and merciful. And we have it here. He has graciously pardoned us. And we're to pardon in the same way. The second Greek word originally meant the voluntary release of a person or a thing over which one has legal or actual control. The idea, again, is releasing, a canceling of debts. We find it <clears throat> used to mean to let go, to cancel, to remit. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 12, in the Sermon on the Mount, the Lord Jesus says, And forgive us our debts, teaching us to pray. As we forgive our debtors. You see the, the idea here of canceling someone's debt. Releasing. Letting go. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And then, he says, for, connecting it to this prayer, if ye forgive men their trespasses, if ye cancel, if ye let go, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Now of all the things that he could have singled out in that glorious prayer to follow up and make a comment on, the first thing he zeroes in on is forgiveness. Part of the reason for that goes back to the context of the very passage with which we began. In the context of teaching about faith and prayer, He commands, forgive. Disobedience is deadly to faith and to prayer. Now the third Greek word, all of these translated into English, forgive, is often translated remission in the AV. It means freedom or release. 
release. Matthew chapter 26 and verse 28. For this is the blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. For the release, for the freedom from sin. So what do we make of all this? Well, when we take all these words and the various nuances together, we get a different picture from what uh, many of us grew up with as an idea of forgiveness. Now, some of you from the beginning may have had a good idea of it. I know I didn't. And uh, it has certainly been my experience over the years that many who profess to be Christians had never truly understood it. It is tragic the first thing we must discuss is what forgiveness is not. <laughs> but we need to. <clears throat> and we, we have to do that because so many within the professing body of Christ have adopted a worldly and unbiblical concept of forgiveness. Many believe that forgiveness goes something like this. Someone wrongs me, hurts me, grieves me. Well, I expect him to apologize. And that's what I'm waiting on. Sitting back with my arms crossed. And until you come and apologize, this is the way it is. So, sooner or later, he comes or she comes and says, I'm sorry. And we say, okay, all right. Good. And that's usually it. We teach our children this. Okay, you come over here right now. Now, you tell him... You're sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. And that's it. Brethren, and we drag that false notion into the kingdom with us. And then we walk around living, waiting for someone just to apologize and to tell us that they're sorry. Husbands, husbands and wives do this all the time. Till he says, I'm sorry. Mm, this is the way it is. Until she says, I'm sorry. That's it. Now, sorrow is important in this, this whole scenario. But sorrow and waiting for someone to apologize is not the biblical concept of forgiveness. To tell someone that you are sorry is basically to tell them how you feel. Because sorrow, remorse, is something that we feel when we realize that we've erred. There's some fault. And so we go, I'm sorry. I'm feeling remorse. I'm feeling bad about what I did. And somehow or another, that's the thing we're all waiting to hear. Okay, good. It's all over now. It's not over. Telling someone how you feel is not the same as saying to them, Will you forgive me? Amen. Forgiveness, brethren, is this. Listen carefully. When we forgive someone, it means that we promise two things. Forgiveness is a promise regarding two things. Number one, 
to release them from the guilt of their transgression or their wrong against us. To cancel their debt. And secondly, it is a promise not to bring it up against them again. That's forgiving. You are releasing them with the promise that you will never bring it up as a club to smite them with again. Husbands and wives are pros at coming up with, "Uh uh-huh, yeah, well, and when you did this, and back when you did this, and then back then a little further, and then you did this, and you've always done this. You're always like that. Bring it up, boom, boom, and hit them again. When you're in that realm, you're not dealing with the realm of forgiveness. Someone can come and say a hundred times, I apologize. And apologize, the word apologize simply means to make a regretful acknowledgement of the offense. I'm sorry I did this. I feel bad about what I've done. Mm -hmm. Then a little bit later, you can bring it up again. Uh Uh-huh. You did it again. Boom. Boom. And we hit them over and over. It might be a relationship with our children. It might be a relationship with someone at work. And it's a cycle that goes on and on. But brethren, forgiveness is something that puts an end to the issue. And if it doesn't, something's wrong. It is a promise to release them and not to bring it up anymore. It's finished. Now this is a different issue altogether, brethren. When you have to come to someone, and of course, I trust that you would apologize, making a remorseful acknowledgement that you have done something wrong, but that isn't forgiveness. It's got to go on into the realm of forgiveness. Will you forgive me? What do you say? I'm in debt to you because of what I've done to you. And I need you to release me. And then it's in your court. And you're the one that is to exercise, to extend pardon. Yes, sweetheart. Yes, brother. Yes, sister. Yes, my beloved child. I forgive you. And brethren, it's closed. It's finished. Now, this doesn't mean that there may not be times when with the greatest wisdom, we may have to make reference to something that has been a forgiven issue if it impinges on something else. But that's not the same as bringing it up and beating them with it. It is not the same thing as using it against them. being the case then, let's remember that as we go through the rest of our heads this evening, that we will realize that we're talking about a promise to release, to cancel, and not to bring the issue up again.
when we're actively doing this, brethren, tremendous healing can take place and does take place. When we do not, it not only wreaks havoc with our faith and prayer, but it may even point to an unconverted heart. So let's talk about the basis of our forgiveness. If this is the case, then let's look at the basis of our forgiveness and of all forgiveness. The basis of our forgiving anyone is the fact that in Christ we have been forgiven. What God in His mercy and His grace has done for His people has not only redeemed them, but it is the very model and foundation for our forgiving. And that is why if we are not forgiving people, it speaks loudly that perhaps we have never experienced God's forgiveness. And Christ assures us that if we don't forgive, we'll never know the Father's forgiveness. This is sobering, brethren. One command. Forgive. Now, first of all, there's our need for forgiveness. And this is something that I don't think we need to spend a lot of time on here. At least in this assembly, and and likely to those that will receive this tape, brethren, the Scriptures make clear that all have sinned and come short, fallen short, of the glory of God. We are sinners by nature. The heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately wicked. We are dead in our trespasses and sins, and enemies against God by our wicked deeds and our wicked thoughts. Created in the image of God, but fallen children of Adam, we live every day when we are not in Christ, in the lusts of our flesh and of our minds, and doing all that is within us to satisfy ourselves. We live for our lusts, we live for ourselves, and we live in a damnable condition. If we die in our sins, as the Lord Jesus Christ said, we will be lost forever. If you do not believe, he said, you will perish, perish in your sins. He's not talking about physical death. He's talking about eternal destruction. Brethren, we cannot find the brush nor the the paint to make sin black enough. We can't speak lowly enough about sin. We cannot speak vehemently, hatefully enough about sin. There is nothing worse than sin. It is so horrific that God will put those who die in their sins into an eternal hell. We have broken His laws 
and we live in rebellion, we're in desperate need of forgiveness. We need our sin pardoned. The good news of the gospel is that God has made provision for our forgiveness in Christ Jesus. It is a promised forgiveness. Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 34 tells us, And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them unto the greatest, saith the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity. I will forgive their iniquity. This is the promise of the new covenant. And brethren, it was inaugurated when the Lord Jesus Christ raised that holy cup and said, this is the new covenant in my blood. His purpose was to shed His blood for the remission of men's sins. It is a free and full forgiveness For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Brethren, the salvation, the forgiveness that we have, comes from the full and free sovereign grace of our great God. We cannot earn it. But in His mercy, He bruised and broke His Son according to His eternal purpose, that His children might have their sins washed away. Brethren, it's not a stingy, but a willing, abundant forgiveness. It is a willing, abundant forgiveness. Brethren, when the Holy Spirit begins to show us what we really are, when the Spirit of God moves in on the heart of a sinner and makes him see what he is, when he begins to, to smell the stench of his sins about him, he cannot but say, how could God forgive me? When we look at what we've been, and we see the vileness and the corruption and the pollution and the poisonousness of what we've been, the flesh cringes and withers before God, and we cannot imagine that He would be merciful. But the scripture says, For thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive. Ready to forgive. And plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon Him. Now this is seen in the great call of our Lord Jesus Christ. Brethren, as He stood on this earth, The incarnate Son of God said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Come, all. Come, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. The Lord Jesus Christ is willing to forgive. Brethren, if your hearts are grieved, if your hearts are full of sorrow, if they are burdened with guilt, you need to know that Christ is willing and Christ is ready to forgive. He's not playing a game. Come! He bids us. 
come to his great pardon. It's an everlasting forgiveness. As we've already seen in the great promise of the new covenant, it finishes by saying, I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. And there it is. That's the very heart of true forgiveness. God will never, God will never bring up our sins to bludgeon us again. He will never bring them up in that way. They're finished in the precious and holy blood of Christ Jesus. So great is this glorious promise in the mind of the author of the epistle to the Hebrews. He repeats it twice. I will remember their sins and iniquities no more. Chapter 8, chapter 10. Brethren, it is a forgiveness in Christ's name. This great eternal forgiveness is all in Christ. Paul said it this way, Be it known unto you therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. Brethren, we don't have to starve ourselves for this forgiveness. We do not have to beat ourselves with a whip for this forgiveness. We do not have to mutilate our bodies or bring ourselves into some kind of great spiritual consternation in order to earn it. We come to Christ believing and trusting His name. Him and Him alone. And it is preached unto us a full and free pardon of sin. Paul goes on to say, And by Him all that believe are justified from all things from which ye could not be justified by the law of Moses. John says it this way, I write unto you little children because your sins are forgiven you for His name's sake. Brethren, when He hung upon the cross, in that broken body, He bore all the fury of God for the sins of His people so that those that call on that precious name, Jesus, Jehovah saves, will know the full and free pardon of their sins. It is a forgiveness by faith alone, brethren. We must always be reminded of that. And that's not just the way it begins. That's the way it continues. Your sins of today are forgiven one way. The very way you came in the first day. By faith alone in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you don't understand that, you'll be miserable in your walk. Because the closer you walk to the Holy Spirit, the more vile you see that flesh is. As a woman said to Arthur Pink once, the older, she said, growing in Christ was like a cow's tail. (laughs) He said, like a cow's tail? She said, that's right. The older it gets, the closer it gets to the ground. And brother, so it is, the more we walk with Christ, the lower we get to the ground. But for that very reason, we need to know day by day where we find rest for our souls. And it's not, well, I'll just read my Bible more, Lord. I'll go to church more. I'll, I'll be nicer to my husband or my wife or my children or my boss. He doesn't bargain. 
Your sins are finished in Christ. It is by faith alone in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus said to Paul that he was going to raise him up to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sins, the release, the cancellation of the debt, the freedom, the gracious pardon. An inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Brethren, it is a forgiveness by the blood. It is a forgiveness by the blood. We must never, never forget the price for our liberty. And this is why the Lord Himself has instituted the very supper, which brings before our eyes that glorious symbol of why we're God's free children. That precious cup that speaks of the blood poured out. The bread that speaks of the body bruised and broken. God in His love for His children brutally judged His Son. He bore all of His Father's wrath for our sins for all eternity. And every drop of that precious blood is more valuable to the child of God than all the gold and all the silver and all the jewels in this world. The greatest treasure to them is the fact that Christ's precious blood was spilled to wash away His sins forever. Finally, it is a full forgiveness. There's nothing stingy about it. And God is not... reticent or reluctant to pour that abundant pardon out. It says, And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Brethren, does that not set your heart free? How wonderful were you last week? How many of you are ready to stand before the Lord tonight and say, Lord, I was so good last week. You ought to be thrilled with me. You got a deal last week. Look how wonderful I was. My tongue was just perfect. I used it wisely, prudently, holily, perfectly all week long. Every thought that went through my mind was as pure as the driven snow. And my actions toward my wife, my children, my workmates... My brethren, unassailable. Anyone ready to make that claim tonight? Then even as his child, you need a full pardon that covers all your sins. Is that not so? Were there one that he missed, hell would be waiting for us. The psalmist says, Who forgiveth all thine iniquities? Every one. Thought, word, 
indeed attitude. The Apostle John declares, The blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us. Present tense. It keeps on cleansing. Keeps, keeps on cleansing us from all sin. Is this a liberty or a license to go and sin as much as we please? Friend, when that grips the heart of God's children, it gives them a love and a fervor for their God that helps them stand against sin rather than take sinful advantage of it. It is a full, free, complete forgiveness. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Guilty, vile, wretched we, spotless Lamb of God was He. Full atonement can it be. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Well, brethren, that's what makes forgiveness so important. If this is the basis for it, then that being displayed in our lives is vitally important. It's everything our faith is about. We have a message to take to the world. It's not become a Baptist. It's not, please become, you know, a card-carrying five-pointer. It's, do you need forgiveness? There is forgiveness in the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, the thing is, if we are forgiven, the Scriptures tell us that we will be forgiven. And we want to hone in on that for just a few minutes. First, we need to recognize that as a forgiven people, we are commanded to be forgiving. Remember that we are to be the children of our Father. We're to do such good works that the world sees them and glorifies our Father in heaven. As I've said in our studies in 1 John, that we are to give the family resemblance in the way we walk. Would anybody know that we're God's children? How... Will they know? Well, there are several answers to that. But vying for first in the line is that we're a forgiving people. It's not way back there. It's at the top of the line. That we are a forgiving people. Tragically, we don't see that in churches often. Brethren, Christ speaks in the strongest terms regarding that. The Lord Jesus commands us, Luke chapter 17, verse 3, Take heed to yourselves. Watch yourselves. Brethren, and when the Lord says, Watch it, do we? I mean, when our children are out there working and we're in a, in a workspace and there may be some danger to them, what do we say? Well, do whatever you want, sweetheart. Don't worry about it. Just get out there and romp and roam. Say, no, watch it over here. Watch that over there. Don't go over there. If you see this, don't do that. Watch it. The Lord Jesus Christ says, look, take heed to yourselves. 
If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. That's love. And if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, then you should consider it. No, that's not what he says. He says, Thou shalt forgive him seven times in a day. Now, let's be honest. By about the third time, we'd be pretty hot. Right? I mean, what's the big joke? I mean, I grew up hearing this. Is, you know, somebody do something, you go, I'm sorry. That's all right. Don't do it again. Just don't ever do it again. We think that way. Brethren, the Lord Jesus Christ knows better. Brethren, those of you who are married know better. Those of you that have been alive for any period of time know better. Sin comes toward us sometimes by those who are the very closest to us. And the Lord Jesus Christ says, if he sins, rebuke him. If he asks for forgiveness, forgive him. Watch yourself. Now why do you think he began that with take heed to yourselves? Because it's not something that comes natural to us. Naturally. This is an apostolic command as well. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32, And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Brethren, that's a command of the churches. This is not a suggestion for how to have a happy life. This is the command of the head of the church. Now I'll tell you, it does produce happiness because it produces healing. That's not the ultimate goal. God gets glory when we do what He calls us to do. And He's told us to forgive one another. All of these are imperatives. Not one of them is a suggestion. Every time it's a command. Over and over and over from the Father in heaven to the Holy Son to the apostles who along with Christ are the foundation, cornerstone of the church is the command to God's people to forgive. We must be. People of God, we must be a forgiving people. Or we're fooling ourselves about being the people of God. Let's consider the fruits of forgiveness. First and foremost, forgiven souls love Christ. This is love, the Scripture tells us. Not that we loved Him, but that He loved us and gave His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. All of our pardon flows in the precious blood of Jesus Christ. When He, as our propitiation took all of our judgment upon Himself. So forgiven souls love Christ. Do you love the Lord Jesus Christ because He's forgiven you? Is your heart filled with praise and thanksgiving when you see your filthiness and your nastiness washed away in that crimson tide? Secondly, forgiven souls emulate Christ. They emulate Christ. Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. 
forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. So also do ye. Forgiven souls pray about forgiveness. It's not something that they're just forced into. It's not something that they just do because, well, Christians are supposed to do this, and I guess, well, I guess I'll do this. No, the Lord Jesus Christ taught us to pray, and He taught us to pray this way. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Brethren, when was the last time? When was the last time that you prayed seriously about forgiving someone? Or did you pray with your arms folded, waiting for someone just to crawl to you and apologize? The Lord Jesus said, when you pray, here's how to pray. Father, forgive us. As your children, we're emulating you and we forgive. We're a forgiving people. And we've learned that from you because you're a forgiving God. Forgive us as we forgive. I doubt that our prayers have not been salted lately with the issue of forgiveness. And if that is the case, our spiritual health is not what it ought to be. Dr. Jesus says pray like this. If we're not praying about it, it's likely not to be something being practiced in our lives very much. Brethren, here comes the doctor with his scalpel. And he has to cut all the way down between joints and marrow. As my people, are you forgiving people? Forgiven souls, pray about forgiveness. Luke chapter 11, verse 4. Again, the Lord teaching to pray says, And forgive us our sins... For we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. When was the last time you prayed that? Brother, my heart was pierced this afternoon as I meditated on this. It is pierced as I stand before you. Christ said, pray. Lord, I'm praying. Oh, forgive me today as I forgive all those that are indebted to me. Forgiven souls even often forgive unconditionally. Now, I'm not going to go into a long discourse about the difference between conditional and unconditional forgiveness this evening. I'm only going to mention it here. And I held a different position until the last few months. But brethren, I've begun to find in Scripture places where there are those who forgive unconditionally. Joseph is a marvelous example. There's not a single recorded instance of his brethren coming at the beginning and saying, now that you've revealed yourself to us, Joseph, we want to tell you how wretched we were in what we did to you. 
Uh, Joseph, no doubt you remember that we kind of hated you, threw you in the pit, would have killed you. Reuben stopped us. And uh, we told Dad that, you know, an, an animal tore you up. We just found your bloody coat. We lied to him. And uh, since Reuben wouldn't let us kill you, we sold you off down into Egypt. We're sorry. I didn't say that. And they didn't say, will you forgive us? In fact, what we have recorded is when he revealed himself to them, listen to his words. He said, I am Joseph, your brother. And now, as the most powerful man in Egypt, you are going to pay. And I will get from you everything that you did to me. That's not what he said. But that's our flesh. He said, I'm Joseph, your brother, whom ye sold into Egypt. Now, therefore, be not grieved, nor angry with yourselves, that ye sold me hither. For God did send me before you to preserve life. Don't be angry. Don't be upset with yourself. What? Read Joseph's life. Do you understand what happened to him? He said, The Lord was sovereign over all this. And even though you meant it to me for evil, God meant it to me for good. And I understand that. Don't bring it up. Don't be angry with yourselves. Brother, when was the last time we dealt with someone who grievously sinned against us that way. There's not a word that they, at that particular point that they, they said, wow, now we really repent. Now they may have, but there was a complete and an, and an unconditional forgiveness here. He initiated when they should have come crawling to him he said, don't grieve yourselves about this. Is that spirit about us, brother? Or do we sit and run that thing over in our minds, over and over and over? She said this. He said this. And boy, when he said that, oh, I, I should have said this. If he ever, And if they ever do that again, uh, boy, I'm going to say this to them. I can, I'm going to say it just like, I'm going to look them in the face and I'm going to say this to them. Or if we're not bold enough to do that, we just do it in our minds over and over. Yeah, 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 that's what he thinks. Yeah, yeah, oh, he thinks he knows. Uh, oh, brethren. Ephesians chapter 4 says, Therefore, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another. This idea of forbearing one another means being patient and putting up with one another. If we demanded that every single person that ever rubs us the wrong way go through the entire process of forgiveness, let me ask you, how much would we ever get done? Let me, let me bring it home a little more closely. If the Lord Jesus Christ demanded from every husband and wife that 
every day when either one of you does something that rubs the other one the wrong way or is wrong, that you right then and there go through the confrontation, work the thing out, get ready to go to Matthew 18 if you don't straighten it out right now. How many of you would have good, sound, solid marriages? Or at least tolerable ones? If you had to confront and have a bilateral forgiveness every single time there was a sin or an error, let's bring it down one more degree. If the Holy Spirit grieved you and brought you to the sense of your sin every single time a thought, word, attitude, or action came from you, how much of the day could you make it through in joy? Now, I'm not saying God overlooks sin. Brother, what I'm saying is that He finished it on the cross and He doesn't beat us with it all the time. When there are those times that He brings us closer and nearer to Him, we're more keen to it and we're more sensitive to it. No doubt. I'm not saying that the Holy Spirit just lets things go. But brethren, if the Lord pressed us every moment with our errors and our faults, what Christian could ever have any joy? Look at yourself today. How many of you offered a glorious and a holy and a perfect worship to our God today? How many of you listened and fastened on to every word that was preached? That at least was His word. You don't have to worry about mine. We couldn't make it through the service, could we? Brethren, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8 says, And above all things have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. We're not very forgiving people by nature. There are a lot of people by nature that can say, eh, sorry, eh, okay. But there are not many people that will come and say, will you forgive me? And have on the other end one that will say, gladly, in the name of Christ, as He has pardoned me, could I ever hold it back from you, dear brother, dear sister? We kind of like a little squirming so that we feel a little better about it. Don't we? Well, finally, let's come down to the end. <clears throat> Some questions we should ask ourselves about forgiveness. As the doctor, as the physician of our souls is among us. As we look into this precious word and ask ourselves some very important questions at least from my point of view, the first question should be, do you love forgiveness? Do you love forgiveness? Do you love the forgiveness you receive from your God? And because you are His child, do you love showing that forgiveness to others? Do you love forgiveness? Receiving and giving it. You need to ask yourself that question. If you say, I love to receive it, but I don't like giving it all that much. I can tell you, friend, your spiritual condition is not good. When you stand praying, forgive! 
Brethren, that's another example of unconditional forgiveness. When you're praying, you don't have time very often to go, in that day, jump on your mule or jump in your chariot and go find somebody and get it all straight before you come back. It doesn't say that. Forgive. You stand praying, forgive. When they come to your mind and you're standing before the Lord and you're in prayer, lifting up holy hands and seeking your God's face, and all of a sudden their face comes into view. Forgive. Forgive. Do you love forgiveness? Secondly, are you ready to forgive? The Scripture tells us God is ready to forgive. If we are showing ourselves as His people, are we ready? You know, there are people that are quick-tempered. They, they have a, you know, a, a real hair trigger when it comes to anger. Well, we as the Lord's people ought to be... Uh, hair triggered when it comes to forgiveness. Brother, I've sinned again. I forgive you. Well, I'm not finished. I still forgive you. <laughs> Brethren, are you quick to forgive or do you drag the thing out so that you can squeeze all of it out of it that you can? Ah, yes, I'm getting my pound of flesh now. Oh, brethren, are we ready and are we quick to forgive? Say, why is that important? Let me ask you. When you sin tomorrow and you flee to your Christ, how long do you want to wait before He says, hmm, yeah, maybe, yeah, I'll forgive you. But wait a few minutes. I'm busy with someone over here and then I'll forgive you. Now, brethren, we want forgiveness right away. We ought to be like our Master. And when those apply to us, we ought to give it right away. Quick on the draw to forgive. Is there someone you need to forgive? That's our third question. Now this is a very important one. Remember where we started. When you stand praying, forgive. Now apply that to your lives tonight. We're going to stand in a few moments and be finished and in prayer. As you stand praying, friend, is there someone you need to get right with? Now there's a time when we have to go through a process and working out repentance and all of those types of things because Matthew chapter 18 is there for that reason. And when we do a series of messages, we'll look at more of the issues and when, when it should be unconditional and when not. But let me just ask you this. Let's just get to first base, okay? We're not talking about hitting a home run tonight. Just first base. Is there someone you need to forgive? then whether it is forgive unconditionally now or go to them and start the process of getting it right between the two of you. Let me ask you, how long are you going to wait? Last double question. How's your prayer life? And how's your faith? How's your prayer life? And how's your faith? It could be that if neither one are in especially good shape, they may be directly tied to your acts and attitudes of forgiveness. Brethren, when you cut off forgiveness and when you live with bitterness and anger, 
You're not generally a prayer warrior. It kind of squeezes the life out of prayer. And it begins to diminish our faith because we're actively, at that point, living in disobedience to God. And our faith is in God who's commanded us to forgive. We disobey. Brethren, then our faith is in bad shape. And our prayer life will be in bad shape. I've met many a Christian who has told me over the years that when they finally got something right, they almost felt like they were converted again. That they carried certain things for a period of time and all of a sudden their prayer life began to just diminish, dry up, and their faith just seemed to dry up. The reason is because, brethren, when we don't forgive, we're in direct rebellion against our God. The physician of our souls brings his word to our hearts. How are we tonight? We've talked about several things in these last few messages. And I find this among the most important. Because, brethren, the very gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is about the full and free pardon that we have in our beloved Lord. As those who have drunk deeply at that precious fountain of life, we ought to bring that same message and lives that exemplify it by being forgiving ourselves. How's your spiritual health? It's directly tied to a single word commandment. Forgive. This Reformation audio track is a production of Stillwater's Revival Books. SWRB makes thousands of classic Reformation resources available, free and for sale, in audio, video, and printed formats. Our many free resources, as well as our complete mail-order catalog, containing thousands of classic and contemporary Puritan and Reformed books, tapes, and videos at great discounts, is on the web at www.swrb.com. We can also be reached by email at swrb at swrb.com, by phone at 780 780- Four five zero thirty seven thirty by fax at seven eight zero four six eight ten ninety six or by mail at forty seven ten dash thirty seven A Avenue Edmonton that's E D M O N T O N Alberta abbreviated capital A capital B Canada T six L three T five you may also request a free printed catalog. And remember that John Calvin, in defending the Reformation's regulative principle of worship, or what is sometimes called the scriptural law of worship, commenting on the words of God, which I commanded them not, neither came into my heart, from his commentary on Jeremiah 7.31, writes, God here cuts off from men every occasion for making evasions, since he condemns by this one phrase, I have not commanded them, whatever the Jews devised. There is then no other argument needed to condemn superstitions than that they are not commanded by God. 
For when men allow themselves to worship God according to their own fancies, and attend not to his commands, they pervert true religion. And if this principle was adopted by the papists, all those fictitious modes of worship in which they absurdly exercise themselves would fall to the ground. It is indeed a horrible thing for the papists to seek to discharge their duties towards God by performing their own superstitions. There is an immense number of them, as it is well known, and as it manifestly appears. Were they to admit this principle, that we cannot rightly worship God except by obeying his word, they would be delivered from their deep abyss of error. The prophet's words, then, are very important when he says that God had commanded no such thing and that it never came to his mind, as though he had said that men assume too much wisdom when they devise what he never required, nay, what he never knew.